back for another edition of Strong Style. That is Impact Media's weekly dive into the world of MMA, pro wrestling, and other combat sports when we see so fit. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. Welcome in. Obviously, this show is a little later in the week than we wanted it to, but I still wanted to get it in before tomorrow morning's festivities. Obviously, we are going to talk a lot of pro wrestling a little later on. It wasn't that big of a week in the world of pro wrestling. There was some fun stuff. But we're going to start with the world of the UFC, who had a dynamic fight night. Not just because that was the name of it, but that's uh, it was a night of fighting uh, that was spectacular. But before we get into that, I want to let everybody know that if you would like to leave us a question, comment, suggestion, any of the like, if you just want to follow the show, there are a couple ways to do that. Obviously, anywhere you get a podcast, if you want to leave us a question, comment, suggestion, review, five-star review, that would be great. Four stars, yeah, we'll probably still high-five you in public, have a few conversations. Three stars, all right, maybe we're not your favorite. Anything less than two than, than three stars, find a different show, because we ain't changing for you. That being said, I know you guys love the show. I love doing the show for you guys. Um, also, if you want to follow myself at the Impact 99 on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, Instagram, uh, if you want to get a lot of the show, just the show-related links on Twitter at Team Impact Media, we'll do that. It will have all the shows posted there, nothing but the show links. Um, you'll find those on my pages too. If if you want to follow my random banner and, and just leave me a message or anything that's cool too and then of course you can search for myself jeremy york or impact media you could do strong style you could do that sports show you could do board check any of that will find us uh pretty much any anywhere that being said as the great sonny clark would say let's talk about ufc Fight night, this was, I'm not sure which Vegas one they were talking about here, but it happened over the weekend. It was the only fighting that we cover that happened over the weekend. This was on Saturday, I believe, was that the Apex? Pretty sure it was at the Apex. It was, in fact, the Apex. I was pretty sure it was. Let's start with the main event. The Battle of the Raphaels, even though they both say them differently because they say them different in different places. This was Rafael Dos Anjos, otherwise known as RDA, who took on Rafael Fiziev. I know people keep saying Fiziev, I'm pretty sure it's Fiziev. The Battle of the Raphaels. This was more than a battle. This was RDA trying to hang on to his spot as one of the top guys. And this was this was uh, Fazeev trying to prove that he is that next guy up. The next big lightweight you better watch out for. What happens here? Well, round number one, they are going at it. They are smashing each other. Round number two, a lot like round number one. Round number three, we are starting to say maybe this goes the distance. After four rounds, we're thinking, you know, Fazeev's got some good shots in. Dos Anjos has got some shots in. This thing might go down to the judges, and I'm not sure how they're going to see it. The judges have been kind of crazy lately. And then 18 seconds into round number five, Raphael Fazeev decides, yep, I've had enough of this. Bang. Your TKO victory over RDA, who looked very respectable in this. It's not a lot of people would say like, oh, well, he didn't win. He looked terrible. Not at all. RDA is still RDA. I don't think this hurts him all that much. He may not move up, but I don't think he's going to necessarily drop down all that much. But Fazeev finds himself up in the world. I am going to pull up the rankings, see if they have updated. See if we can pull those up. The rankings, he was in the lightweight. In the loaded lightweight division. He is uh, he is number seven. 
Okay, and RDA is number eight. What does it say what they were when they were fighting? Great podcasting, I understand that. Let's see if we can pull this up. Is it gonna pull up? Uh does not does not say. That's fine. That's fine. But uh you gotta think. RDA at eight, that's that's a good spot to be. He's gotta watch because Mateus Gamrot is right below him and uh Armand Sarukian is number ten with uh Tony Ferg's at eleven. Connor is actually number twelve. Dan Hooker below that. I mean just holy cow. Let's go the other direction. RDA, I told you, is eight. Raphael Faziv is number seven. Number six, Benil Darush. Michael Chandler is five. Islam Makachev is four. Justin Gaethje is three. Dustin Poirier, two. Charles Oliveira, one. I'm glad I'm not a lightweight. I don't want to fight either one of them. There is, there is no way. Me and three of my buddies couldn't take these guys, any of these guys on. It's crazy. Just an insane division. Uh, great main event. Absolute great main event. It lived up to everything we thought it would. Um, it was a great fight. Glad I got to see it all. I even went back and rewatched it just to make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, just main events have been off the charts, especially this year. They're doing a great job of putting the right matchups together, and there's always something that kind of steals the show. So let's get into some of the rest of the card. I'm going to talk about the other four main event fights, and then I will tell you a couple of the other ones that I thought were really good. Uh, Chow Buralo got the unanimous decision win over Armand Petrosian in the co-main event. This is good. Just two solid fighters. They went back and forth. Uh, I, I thought Chow did just enough to, to get the win there. Armand definitely didn't do anything to, to not be proud of. Good performance. Just uh, come out losing into that one. Anytime you get two guys, I mean, you got Chow that come in at 11-1. and one. It was 7-1 and one for Armand. So, somebody's going to get their second loss. Can't win them all. Uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov gets the decision win, unanimous decision win, over Douglas Silva at Deandraj. It's a good, another good fight in the Bantamweight division. These two slugged it out. Um, Saeed was just doing more. Now, a lot of people say, well... You know, uh, Nurmagomedov, with a name like that, oh, he's going to be this kind of fighter. Uh, Saeed has, sometimes I think he can get a little too flashy, a little too fancy with things he does, but my goodness, he he can stand, he can uh, throw submissions, he can uh, try to drive and take you down. He just has all kinds of skills, skills for days all over the place. He's not a one-dimensional fighter. He might be a 4 or a 14 even. It's uh, just really crazy. But uh, he ends up with the win in that one. Apparently, I've been saying uh, Jared Vandera's name wrong for a long time, and I apologize, Jared. Uh, Chase Sherman took him on and won by TKO uh, in about three minutes into the last round. Uh, Chase Sherman by far won round one. But towards the end, Jared was throwing in a couple spots, couple shots where you're like, okay, Chase got to watch himself. In the second round, Jared took over. He he did some, some big-time things. He had Chase reeling a little bit, and uh, in the third round, they just kind of go back and forth until Chase uh, just catches Jared with, with a couple just uh, punches and bunches and was able to secure the victory. He had him out on his feet and uh, good stoppage by the ref and things like that. Uh, good win for Chase Sherman. He improves to 16-10-0. Now we have a little bit of a conundrum, though. Because normally when we talk about a big fight, this is the fourth uh, most important fight as far as uh, when it happened on the card. It was a banger of a fight. It was a great fight. Uh, does Jared Vandera drop in the rankings? Probably not a whole lot. Does Chase Sherman shoot up and in title contention? Eh, probably not. Here's the problem. Chase Sherman's been in and out of the UFC a couple times, and here's why. I like Chase. Chase is a big, big-time, fun fighter, and and Jared is too. They are in a similar skill level. 
I hate to do it this way, but maybe a second tier. Chase can work himself up towards the top tier like he's done before, but he's just not quite able to stay there. And uh, usually takes a big loss, gets sent back down. It, it's those kind of things. It's, it's not that he's not a great fighter, because he is. He's just not quite there to that next level yet. That's why he's 16, 10, and 0. You know, instead of 25 and 0. Things like that. Uh, I think Chase and, and Jared, and there's a whole bunch of them right there on that second tier that if they want to keep doing fun fights and uh, those, those big barn burners like that, I think that is the, the, the niche for them. But it's just a rough spot because even though Chase won and even though Jared lost, I think they're still very much in the same, very much in the, in the same level. And then the last fight, I believe, that was on the main card. I could be wrong with this. It kind of bled together there for a while. Uh, Amon Zahabi got the unanimous decision win over Ricky uh, Tercios. Pretty good fight in the Bantamweight division. It wasn't my favorite fight, but it, uh, by far, Amon or Amon, he won the fight. Uh, controversial fight was the one right before this one where Michael Johnson and Jamie Malarkey go all the way to the end of three rounds. That leaves it up to the judges. The judges saw it split. First judge says Jamie Malarkey. Second judge says Michael Johnson. Third judge says Jamie Malarkey. A lot of people say Michael Johnson won that fight. I argue two points. First of all, he did not because the judges said he did not. Number two, this was such a 50-50 fight. They, they, you know, one would control the round and then the other would battle back in the last minute of that round. They did that for a couple rounds and then they had just a banger of, of, an, of, uh, of the third round. And uh, it, it just, if you leave it up to the judges, Dana says this all the time, you leave it up to the judges, it is what it is. Don't want to leave it up to the judges. Don't want to ha don't want to lose a fight you potentially thought you won. End the fight. Uh, I thought Jamie Malarkey won the fight. Like I said, I, I it was probably 55-45, but I you know 55 is more than 45, so it's 51 over 49. But I I would say I, I would say Malarkey won that fight. Um, Michael Johnson needed to do a little bit more, in my opinion, but after, overall, still a good fight. And it was a good fight. I'm going to echo Big John McCarthy and something he said earlier this week as well. It was a good fight in the same reason that uh, Stephen Bonner, Forrest Griffin were good fights. It was a good fight because both were making a lot of mistakes, and in making mistakes, the other was able to battle back into the fight, and so they kept letting each other back into the fight, and that's that's what made it a banger of a fight. Good for Malarkey on the win. Uh, another close one that ended up in a split decision was uh, Antonina Shevchenko and Courtney Casey. Both trying to uh, battle back in the women's flyweight division. Both trying to, you know, uh, uh, Antonina is Bullet Shevchenko's sister. I think older sister. I'm not sure. I Need to brush up on my on my sibling age rankings, I guess. But uh, Antonina has not quite had the career that that uh, Valentina has had. But Antonina still a great fight. I said last week that I was picking her to win this, even though I like Courtney Casey as well. But Antonina needed it. She needs to show that she's still very much in the fight game. She still has a lot to give, and she gets the split decision win. I, same way with this one. I would say it might have been 60-40 in this one. 55-45 sounds a lot better. Uh, Courtney Casey, don't don't hang your head on that one. It was a great fight. Uh, Antonina just had a little more control, and that used, control and damage usually leads you to a win. And so, and best thing is, is is her her sister can run it up to her after the fight and give her a big hug after she won. You know, and and that's they train together. That's that's so awesome that they could share something like that. But a uh, good win, Antonina.
Um, probably the other fight that was worth mentioning was uh, Kennedy Jakuqua or Inzuqua and in Inzuchukwa. Inzuchukwa. Is that what we're going with? Okay. Took on Carl Robinson and Kennedy. Ended that one two minutes and 19 seconds into round number three with the big uh, TKO. Uh, Kennedy, big time, big time mover and shaker as he's moving up the division in the light heavyweight division. It is not quite as stacked as the light heavy or as the as the lightweight, but light heavyweight is still nothing to shake a uh, to not shake a stick at because I'm going to pull him up right now. We know the big fight coming next. Is it next? I think it's next week in that division, but the light heavyweight division. You have the champion, Yuri Prohoshka. You have Glover Teixeira at one, Jan Bohovic at two, Alexander Rakic at three, uh, Magomed Ankalaev at four, Anthony Smith at five. Ankalaev and Smith are going to fight next week. That uh, pretty much, I would say, the winner of that has got to be looking at title shot because I think Prohoshka said Teixeira is next. You could, ar you could argue uh, Rakic or Blahovich. I think they should fight each other. But uh, that's the top five there. You get out of that, you get Tiago Santos, Dominic Reyes, Paul Craig, Vulcan, Oldemir, and uh, Jamal Hill to round out the top ten. There, there's some other guys... Uh, Jimmy Crute at 14. I, I would definitely watch him. Just Dustin Jacoby at 15. Uh, but this division is going to get shaken up pretty good here soon because whether Yuri or Glover win the next one or if it's Blahovich, whoever it is, whoever wins the next title fight, you are pretty much staring down either Anthony Smith or Magomed Ankalaev. And I can think of a thousand other things I would rather have to face than one of those two guys. Uh, their fight is going to be really fun. I know Anthony Smith is more popular. I know Anthony Smith is uh, probably coming in with the uh, the bigger pedigree. But Ankalaev, man, he's 17-1 for a reason. It's going to be a fun fight. I am uh, very excited. It is a fight night. I think that's the one in London, actually. But it should be a lot of fun. Absolutely a lot of fun. But that wraps up fight night from last week. Let's preview. Let's preview this week's fight night. And it is um, uh, main event is Ortega versus Rodriguez. That is Brian Ortega, who I believe is number two. I think Yair Rodriguez is number three in the featherweight. You've got to think. Let's go to that real quick. In the featherweight division. There's featherweight. Obviously, you have the best pound-for-pound pound fighter, not because somebody's list says so. If you have seen Alexander Volkanovsky fight recently, you know he's the best pound-for-pound pound in the UFC by far. I'm not going to compare across different companies because, A, I don't have the time, and, B, I don't have the list in front of me. That I mean, it, it's, it's apples to kumquats at that point. Um... Holloway is one. He's not going to get a title shot. Brian Ortega is two. There it is. Yair Rodriguez is three. That's what I thought. Um, I think Volkanovski has beaten Ortega once or twice. He has beaten Holloway three times? Three times, I think. Um, after Yair, you get Josh Emmett, who is also at three, which makes no sense. I'm going to put Emmett at four because they list them that way. You get uh, Calvin Cater at five. Arnold Allen, who will be fighting in the next week or so, I believe. He is number six. Chan Sung Young, otherwise known as Korean Zombie, at seven. Giga Chikadze. People forget about that guy. That guy's had some monster fights in the last year or so. He's number eight. Bryce Mitchell, nine. And uh, Mavsar Evlev is number ten. But, my goodness, Shane Burgos got a fight coming up here soon, too. And uh, that's that's going to be a banger of a fight. Now, here, let's put it this way: that, a banger. If I say a fight is a banger, that means uh, Donnie Brooks, slobber knocker. That means I've, 
you know, Stephen Bonner, Forrest Griffin, these two are just going to stand and just trade shot after shot after shot. That's what I mean when I say banger. So the fact that the main event is Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez, this I don't know if this is going to be a banger. Ortega is trying to hold on to that top spot because he may can sneak back into another shot at Volk. Yair Rodriguez is the up-and-coming guy. He has already been told by Dana and Sean Shelby that if he beats Brian Ortega, they didn't say how, he just beats him. He, he could beat him by split decision, I guess, or he could knock him out or submit him or, or uh, you hate to say it, IPO glow blow, illegal blow, whatever. Yair Rodriguez wins. He's told he gets the next title shot or he gets a title shot. There's a lot of motivation. A lot of people say all the motivation is on Yair. I say there's motivation on Brian Ortega to protect the castle, so to say. He is the guard at the door. Yair Rodriguez is the guy slamming into the door saying, let me in. I'm going to beat everybody up. Yeah. How is this one going to go? I think it goes... I think it goes four rounds. You're going to see a... Uh, Yair Rodriguez find a way to win this one. I'm not exactly sure how. I, I for lack of a better way to say it, let's throw because uh, Ortega is the Ortega is the favorite at minus 170. Yair at plus 145. This is this is one. I don't like that it's just 145. That's not a big turnaround for your money. But you know, I want to I want to throw some. You know, since since we've been. Uh, Doing some stuff with our, our friends, uh, betonline.net, that, you know, plus 45 on the underdog, that's, that's not bad money. That's, Yair does stand a big chance of winning this fight. Uh, if you want to put some dollars down or, or yen or, or lira or euro or, or whatever your, your currency of choice is in, in a place that you're allowed to do so, obviously. Once again, if you want to do that at, at betonline.net, that, that would be great. Tell them we sent you. Um, I think I think Yair is going to win. Gosh, I just I don't think you're going to knock Ortega out. So I, I, maybe it's a submission or something. I, I I don't know. I just I think Yair is going to win. So I, I'm going to go there. And at plus 145, I'd consider that. Uh, co-main event. These are all on ABC, by the way. The main card is on ABC starting at 2, 2 p.m. that is, and starting at 11 a.m. You are going to, on ESPN, that is regular four-letter, you're going to see the prelims starting at 10 a.m. Yep, you got to get up early, guys. I will be watching for sure. I may live tweet them. I may do something. I'm going to do something. For sure. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, Co-main event. Michelle Watterson Gomez is going to take on Amanda Lemos. This could be a main event, but it's a co-main event in this case because it's Ortega Rodriguez. Uh, in the women's strawweight division, Amanda Lemos comes in with the, the, with the better, rec- better record of 11-2-1. But Michelle Watterson Gomez has just always been that super solid, exciting fighter. Lemos is a minus 340 favorite, but I'm going to echo a buddy of mine who, uh, on his podcast this week, one of his his soft-earned dollars, as he calls it, his soft-earned dollars bets, is he is picking... Uh, Michelle Watterson Gomez to win. She is plus 270. He partnered it with something. I think he partnered it with Misha Tate. I will get to her fight in a minute, but uh, he he parlayed it. So uh, good luck to him on that. But plus 270. I don't like that Lemos is that big of a favorite. Uh, I believe Michelle Watterson Gomez had ha- more than has a fair shot, more than a puncher's chance, so to say. It's kind of a shot in the bucket, shot in the dark. If you, I, I mean, Michelle Watterson Gomez could win this fight. In fact, I'm going to pick her in this fight. I think somehow she's going to find a way to get it down against Amanda Lemos. This thing could go the distance. 
I, I'm not sure that it will, but it's going to be a fun fight. And like I said, at plus 270, I, I, if you were so inclined, I'd, I'd give that a whirl. Um, rest of the main card here, as we get Ling, or we get Lee, Zhang Li, is a uh, plus 140 dog against Muslim Salikov. Who is a minus one sixty-five? I'm a, I'm gonna go with Salikov in that one. Uh, Lee's not a bad bad pick at at, at plus one forty though. If you are so inclined to do so, um, I, I see that as just a, a normal fight. I I don't I don't know that a lot of a lot of big fireworks gonna happen in that one. Fourth fight on the card: Matt Schnell is a slight plus 220 underdog to Sumadarji. Am I saying that correctly? I'm, I'm going to go with that. Um, who is a minus 270 favorite. Uh, Matt Snell has a chance to win this. one. He, he definitely does. I'm not saying that at every one of them, but at plus 220, that could be worth uh, throwing down some small dollars if you would like to do so. In the fight that could this I, I mentioned it a minute ago. This is the fight that absolutely could steal the show. Absolutely could steal the show. Shane Burgos is going to take on Charles Dordain in the featherweight division. Talk about a banger of a fight. That's exactly what this is going to be. These two are going to throw more hands than E Honda. Uh, than E Honda throws on a Honda Civic. Street Fighter reference. You guys should look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, Jordan could easily win this fight. We get U.S. versus Canada in that. Shane Burgos is is uh, what was it at number 14? Isn't that what I said? He's looking to move his way up. And a win over Jordan could do so. I think this very much is going to go all three rounds. I think at the end of it, I just... I wanted to go Burgos, but I have just this weird feeling that Jordan is going to do something towards the end of the fight to secure the win. So give me Jordan in that one, and he's actually a plus 145 dog. Once again, I'm not big on that number, but if you're so inclined, throw some dollars down. If you're not, it's cool. Bet your neighbor, or don't bet at all. Just enjoy the fight. Sixth fight on the card, which means we're halfway through the card. Is this one? This, this is where the ESPN stuff starts, right? Oh, there is an ABC. Uh, Ricky Simone versus Jack Shore in the bantamweight division. Jack Shore is 16 and 0 from Wales. I got some family there that I've never met. I would love to meet them. Uh, Ricky Simone is the slight dog at plus 130, minus 155. That's telling you right there, that's pretty close to a split. I personally would stay away from the betting side of it if you are so inclined to maybe want to partner some up and parlay those. That would be great. That will be on ESPN, though. Um, I'm taking Jack Shore. He's 16-0 and 0 for a reason. Ricky Simone is 19-3, and 3, which is not too shabby either. I just think Jack Shore is uh, on his way to, uh, to the, the, the very top very soon. Now let's get into the ESPN part of the card. The main event on ESPN is Lauren Murphy versus Misha Tate. Misha is a minus 220 favorite, plus 184 Lauren Murphy. Um, both coming off a loss, I believe. Misha Tate is a flyweight officially at 125.8. This is uh, a new venture for her. But Lauren Murphy, the, the reason why she lost... Last was she uh, took on Bullet Shevchenko, and uh, Bullet put on a clinic. Sometimes you just uh, you can't too much about it. But uh, and then this fight was supposed to happen a couple weeks ago, but Lauren got COVID, so it postponed it till now. We get to see it on ESPN. This should be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. It starts. What did I say? It starts at 11 till two. Probably if you're if you're if you're doing something that Saturday morning. And you just want to make sure to catch this fight if you're not recording them or going to go back and watch ESPN Plus. The whole thing's on ESPN Plus, too. Or ESPN Plus, also. 
um, I would say around 130 is probably when you need to flip this on. Maybe 115 to be on the safe side in case they go quick. But 130, you need to make sure to be to uh, tune into ESPN or ESPN Plus because uh, Lauren Murphy, Mr. Lisa Tate, they're going to want to throw, and then you're going to see some grappling. You're going to see uh, you're going to see some groundwork, uh, uh, maybe some submission attempts. They would love to just stand and 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 uh, throw hands the whole time, but I feel like one or both are going to go for some uh, more grappling holds and maybe try to work towards submissions. I am going to go Lauren Murphy, even though I'm, I'm a Mr. Tate fan as well. And uh, I, I, they just both have such great stories. I know they want Misha to eventually take on Bullet Shevchenko. I just feel like Lauren Murphy's going to get this one. So uh, back in my girl Lauren in this one. We're going to get uh, Punahele Soriano, who is a uh, minus 230 favorite. He's going to take on Dolce Lingabula, who is a plus 190 dog. Uh, take Soriano. I think uh, I, I think it's going to be a pretty good fight. Soriano is probably going to win by decision. He's probably going to dominate about 65% of the fight, if not 70. Uh, Dolce is good. I, just, I, I think uh, Punahele is going to gonna do a lot more. Uh, we get Bill Algio, who is a minus 220 favorite against uh, Herbert Burns at plus 180. Uh, take Bill Algio in this one. Honestly, I don't know a lot about the fighters, but uh, I know a little bit more about Bill, so I will go with Bill. Dustin Jacoby is going to take, take on Dion Jung. I think uh, you should take Dion over Dustin Jacoby. Uh, minus 105, minus 115 are the lines on that with Dustin at the minus 105. That means it is a split, basically, pick them 50-50, flip a coin. I say take the South Korean and Jung. Last two fights, you, we're, we're going to get uh, Dwight Grant versus Dustin Stolfus. As a minus 105 to a minus 115 as well. Um, I'm going to take Dwight Grant in that one, which reminds me I need to actually make my picks and post those so that you guys can join as well. I'm going to take Dwight Grant. Uh, when, it's, when it's a minus and a minus, like I said, that is a 50-50 split for the most part, and that is uh, bets I like to stay away from because it's just hard to make a lot of money on those, and they're hard to predict. And in what is the... Opening contest in the women's strawweight division. Uh, this this is fascinating. This card is so loaded that this is the opening contest. So probably about 11:10, 11:15, I would say. Tune in at 11 just to make sure. But on ESPN, we are going to get in the women's strawweight division. Jessica Penne brings her 14 and 6 record against Emily Ducati who is 11 and 6 as uh, as uh, her record coming in. A lot of people like Jessica Penne in this one. She is the slight plus 125 uh, dog in that one, minus 150 for Emily. Plus, a lot more people know Jessica Penne and her name, or Penne and her name. Um, Emily Ducati is no slouch of a fighter. I'm actually taking Emily in this one. Uh, once again, at minus 150, I'm probably not going to put any dollars on that. Um, I, I just, I, I, I don't see the big advantage there. Plus, this could be a really, really back and forth fight. But that is the uh, whole card of my breakdown from that. And um, since I've mentioned them half, half a dozen times up until now, now let's hear from our friends at BetOnline.net. This is Jeremy the Impact York from Board Check, That Sports Show, and Strong Style. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And betonline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. 
BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we are back on Strong Style, thanks to our friends at BetOnline.net. Uh, fantastic site. Go check them out. You can, uh, as as I, as I just said, on the read there, um, it's it's not just about betting with them. It's about news and podcast and information, and uh, and, and they are a great source for it. So uh, definitely go check those out. Now let's get into the world of professional wrestling, and let's start as we tend to like to do with the world of WWE, which means we will start with Monday Night Raw from. Independence Day. Um, once again, I'm not going to go match by match. Uh, if you guys have questions, comments, suggestions, want to ask me about something I don't mention or, or want to hear more about something I do, hit me up at all those places I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. I will happily uh, DM you back, uh, send you a message, email, whatever. Um, email for the for all of our shows, 3 in zone. That's E-N-D-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com. It's something we used a long time ago and just never got rid of the email, so it's a good catch-all for all of your emails. And yes, I see and read each one of them. So uh, so do other people at the show, but I personally see and respond to all of them. Uh, things on Raw. They, they seem like they want to move Austin Theory away from Bobby Lashley, especially now that Lashley has the U.S. title belt, which will make that mean a lot. Moving forward, Theory was doing a good job with it, but they're wanting to do some other stuff with Theory. We know he won Money in the Bank, so they have to kind of do the uh, the brush off between these two. They could meet somewhere down the road. Maybe it's when Bobby is champ and Theory cashes in, or maybe Theory is champ and Bobby comes in after. I mean, it, it, they're going to meet again down the road, uh, but it's clear that Theory is a guy they really want to propel to the top. As a uh, lack of a better way to put it, he is kind of like the new Randy Orton Brock Lesnar. He is in his early to mid-20s. He is in great shape. He is a, uh, a really good showman, really good at what he does. And they want to capitalize on that. That doesn't mean he's necessarily going to be world champ. He's not going to necessarily break. Um, not going to necessarily break. You know Randy Orton's records or Brock Lesnar's records, or uh, we don't know how it's going to shake out. We just know they really like it. They need more stars because uh, there is there is a top tier of about two or three guys. There is a second tier of about five more, and then it's all middle of the pack from there. They they need to make more stars because people like Roman and Seth are having a hard time, or are going to have a hard time trying to carry the company. For a long time until Cody comes back or things like that to help out. Um, I like that Lashley got the upper hand of it, even though it was weird that Theory got the Money in the Bank briefcase and got added to the match late. It just, I don't know, I don't think it sat well with the the audience as well. But um, we'll see what happens with that. The only thing I want to mention about the Mysterios taking on Finn Balor and Damian Priest is that it looks like Finn and Priest are going to uh, be running a, as a duo for a little while as Rhea Ripley has some just horrifically scary injuries. Uh, brain injury and some other stuff that she's healing from and all, and she hasn't been medically cleared. Uh, they they definitely need her back. She is one of the uh, pillar members. I think they pivot off of her out of uh, Judgment Day faction. And uh, they kind of are at a standstill, I think, as a duo. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, the main reason I wanted to mention besides that is that Rey Mysterio did some odes to his his uh, longtime friend, Eddie Guerrero, who, uh, you know, we all know passed away uh, quite a bit ago. And uh, one such thing was to do the uh, Eddie chair fake, which is where the referee turns around and you drop like you got hit by the chair and the guy holding the chair uh, usually gets disqualified or gets the chair ripped away and you're able to uh, secure a win and, and stuff like that. But he, he did the Eddie trick, YouTube it, the Eddie chair trick. It's it's classic. But uh, that was really cool. I like that Logan Paul has signed on. 
we talked about that a little last week. I think he realizes that this, that his, his brother Jake is more of the prize fighter and that he is more of the showman. He likes to, uh, he likes to be more active. Um, the fact that they're going to pair him off with The Miz and uh, they'll continue their rivalry probably at SummerSlam, which is the end of this month. I think it's the 30th. Does that sound right? That sounds right. Uh, but it, I like Logan Paul being in there. I, I think I think he's he's going to do some good stuff. Uh, but also having Miz involved, like I said, and AJ, who needs kind of something to do, and then uh, Champa involving himself in this because they've done nothing but Champa, but have him just like randomly appear. If you pair him up with the Miz and have him as kind of the henchman of the Miz, I, I like it because uh, there's there's a lot of things you can do with that. If you're not going to use Maurice full-time, then having Miz and Champa together, good call. Um, Rollins versus Ezekiel was probably match of the night. Rollins is just, like I said, he's on that top tier with Roman, in my opinion. Uh, Ezekiel is really good, or Elias, or, or Elrod, or whatever you want to call him. Uh, he is a fantastic mechanic and worker and by mechanic once again um, he really helps make sure the match comes off looking well makes his opponent look really good and he's got some moves as well um this like i said really really good match i, I really enjoyed it uh rollins of course gets the victory him and riddle look like they're going to get into a thing we'll see where that goes because riddle's kind of in no man's land too he challenged roman didn't win doesn't have his tag partner Randy, so he just say they don't have a lot for Riddle to do. And the no holds barred match between Lynch and Oshka uh, was just off the charts great. That's how great these two are at working matches at putting on a show. It was just spectacular. Of course, Becky Lynch gets the upper hand in it. She needs the boost up. At the, well, she, she doesn't need it, but uh, the boost up helps her more right now. Asuka just returned from injury. They're not wanting to push it too much. Plus, she's one of those people, she's kind of like Lynch, who can just randomly show up, and you're okay with the fact that she she got a, um, a title shot. You're just like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. She's really good. Um, that is pretty much all of Raw. Let's jump to SmackDown. Having the bloodline in Austin Theory kind of, brush shoulders is is interesting he's not going to join the bloodline but they could benefit from helping each other or they could get in each other's way uh, i wouldn't mind seeing theory versus Sami Zayn. i think that would be a really really good match they don't have to do a storyline they could just randomly face each other uh what else it was nice to see ludwig kaiser get get a match on smackdown as he is the mouthpiece for gunther and uh, he took on Shinsuke Nakamura, and Nakamura got a well-needed win because he has kind of been people's punching bag here lately. But a uh, good match. Kaiser is a very good worker, and uh, Nakamura, gosh, he should be he should be world champ. We'll just put it that way. He should be. Not necessarily over Roman, but there, there were times when they could have made him a star instead of uh, middle-of-the-pack leader. But it is what it is. Uh, the Liv Morgan, Natalia, Ronda Rousey stuff is interesting. Um, I would rather just see Liv and Ronda kind of do some stuff, but uh, having Natalia in there makes it a little more legitimate. It adds that X factor because at any given time she could she could kind of run away with it. But uh, I like that Liv is is getting a, an interesting, fun run with the with the title. I. I I want her to win her first defense. Maybe or maybe a couple of them. But uh, I'm definitely enjoying that uh, women's world title run right there. We finally got to see Max Dupree and uh, was it Masse instead of Mace and Mansoor, his his male models. We haven't seen the male model gimmick in a while so this is interesting Dupree as a uh, manager mouthpiece is great he's all he can also wrestle so that throws in uh, some 
some fun things you can do there. Um, it gives Monsoor and Mace something to do, and uh, they seem to be having fun with it. So we'll see where it goes. We finally got to see who is in his camp, though. And I just got to say this. They have 100% dropped the ball with Lacey Evans. You showed everybody, you showed everybody uh, her story, and and uh, where she came from, and, and and that she she really had to fight and claw to get where she's at now. I get that. It's a great well, it's a great story to hear. It had to be a terrible one to to live until she started to really be able to put things together. But she's overcome so much that she should be the next dominant face of the women's division. And instead, she has flip-flopped to face and heel about half a dozen times in probably the time that I have that I have done this show. I believe uh, we caught a little bit of last week's before we came on here, or of, of this week's SmackDown, and it looked like she is full-blown heel now. I don't get it. Why, why do you get everybody on her side by her telling her story? if you're just gonna make her heal anyway you, they're dropping the ball because she's she's got white meat baby face written all over her, like big time epic run as as a face and uh they they're not doing that butch versus mcintyre i will have to say one of my favorite matches of smackdown butch for a lot of people who don't know is pete don from nxt uh, the Butch thing is is fantastic. Apparently, Vince and the front office love it that he's kind of like a, a rabbit squirrel as far as jumping around and all the stuff everywhere. It's uh, it's uh, it's really fun. And him and McIntyre had a great match. McIntyre is a really really good wrestler and worker. Butch is a master. Uh, I thought it went really really well. But uh, that, that's your, your Raw and SmackDown. Let's jump into NXT, where I had got a bone to pick with them out of the gate. Because congratulations to Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade, who have been a team for two weeks. Uh, apparently been friends forever, which apparently counts to a whole lot in NXT. Uh, they beat Gigi Dolan and JC Jane to become the new women's tag team champions. Now I, now, I don't have a problem with them being the ones to win them or if Gigi and JC would have kept the belts. My problem is, is you have had the most established women's team in the WWE in the past five years in KC Squared, which is... Uh, what, Katana Chase is what you call her now? Casey Canazaro for you Ninja Warrior fans. And Caden Carter, um, who you let do practically everything. They they have solid runs and do all this stuff, and then when they get up, you, you don't you don't give them that rewarding title shot. They, uh, they actually put over Perez and Jade last before uh, Perez and Jade went and just won the titles. So I just uh, I don't like it. I think KC Squared should should at least have the titles. I don't care if it's for a day. And uh, I'm gonna this is the hill I'm gonna die on. This the, this is the hill I'm gonna fight on. We'll put it that way. That uh, you know, good for Roxanne and Cora. Like I said, it was a it was a, it was a solid match. Just uh, I I gotta call shenanigans on the fact that uh, KC Squared, as I call them, Caden and Katana, should uh, should be given more respect than uh, beating everybody but the champs. And uh, then, then jobbing out to the people who become champs. Just uh, not much of a fan of that. Um, Grayson Waller versus uh, Carmelo Hayes was was a solid match for the North American Championship. Um, I don't, Waller has fallen a little bit in that. At one time, I thought he was uh, beelining his way up to the top, and now he's losing secondary title shots to uh, Carmelo Hayes, who is a great talent. 
I'm not saying that Waller is, is superior over Carmelo. I think they're pretty even if you took their skills and, you know, put, poured them to a cup, compared the levels of cup there. They, they got different skills. But uh, Waller, to me, they should put him and, and Tiffany Stratton together because they were starting to kind of hit it off there for a minute, and then they've just up and abandoned that, as they usually like to do. But I would stick with that. I would put them together. That would give them both a little bit of a boost because uh, they're both kind of just just kind of hanging around right now. But, of course, Carmelo keeps his belt. Uh, just a solid performer right now. Uh Damon Kemp and Roderick Strong lost a tag title shot to the Creed Brothers, and officially Diamond Mine has imploded, which it probably should. Uh, if Roddy and Damon want to stay together, that's fine. Uh, but the Creed Brothers are one of the best teams that WWE has right now that are not named Uso. So, uh, I, and, I, and I want those two teams to stay away from each other. For a while, Creed Brothers are doing some great things down in the tag division for NXT, and they need to continue to do that. Um, Cameron Grimes versus Braun Breaker was was solid. Braun Breaker, one of the next uh, big athletes, big uh, big things, obviously in the company. He's really good, uh, but Cameron Grimes has always been potential show stealer and uh, he had a, a I knew pretty much he was probably not going to beat Braun but fantastic match absolutely fantastic match it's what Braun needs to pad his resume a little bit but uh, I want to see what Cam does from here uh, maybe a call up but he's probably going to end up in a cool program with somebody instead and I look forward to it. Let's jump into AEW. Let's start with Dynamite. Scorpio Sky defended his TNT Championship. Uh, along with his friends Dan Lambert and members of ATT, of course. It was a street fight. Uh, and he defended against Wardlow. Now, when I spoke to Dan outside of the PFL event, uh, he talked about getting to work with Wardlow. And uh, he said he's a super fun young guy. Uh, the company really thinks really highly of. And, uh, and, and he had no problem with that. Uh, Wardlow is your new TNT champ. Uh, it'll be fun to see what he did this week with that. I'm sure he defended against uh, 35 miniature hippopotamuses or, what, or whatever they've come up with. But uh, Wardlow over Scorpio's guy. Scorpio is... Is definitely a credible person, so that will help Wardlow uh, in uh, establishing himself as uh, one of the up-and-comers. Um, didn't care much for the match of Swerve and Keith Lee, who uh, got called out by Team Taz and the Young Bucks after which, which uh, is going to involve a, a triple tag team thing for the Young Bucks. But uh, the thing I, I like most about this match was the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny and their work. They are one of the most underrated tag teams probably in wrestling right now. Uh, I knew the Blade was good. I had seen the Bunny work as well. They were both in Impact uh, a while back. Did not know much about the Butcher until I saw him in AEW. And uh, I'm a big fan of the Butcher now. And uh, the three Bs are always a must-watch they are great, whether they win, lose, or anywhere in between. And the best part of that match to me was the work by the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bonnie. Um, the Dark Order looked like they were going to split at one point, and then they pretty much just told everybody we're not going anywhere that they're back to the core members, including Minus One, who is Brody Lee's kid, I think Brody Jr. And uh, the AEW needs the Dark Order, and the Dark Order need AEW. That's that's what's going to make it fun. This is a great group. They have become fan favorites. I think they should push them as such as one of the bigger 
faction squads there are because they are super off the charts talented. Whether it is um, John and Alex, the tag team, whether it is Evil Uno, whether it is uh, Preston Vance, who is also known as Ten. I think they had another one in there too, but I forgot. But they they are to the core. That's that's where they need to be. And it uh, looks like QT Marshall is going to pick on them, and that is just not something you should do because Hangman come out and helped him out as well. Um, this next match might be match of the month, and I know we're halfway through the month, but uh, Penta Escuro took on Roosh. I'm a giant Roosh fan, and Drade as well. The fact that they have teamed up is uh, unbelievable. Penta Escuro, one of the best workers on the planet. These two have to know each other because they wrestled like they've wrestled a thousand times. It might have been Puerto Rico, it might have been Mexico, it might have been Mars or the moon. Not sure. But uh, Roosh gets the win, but if you just, just, he's one you should YouTube for sure and get ready to spend the next six to eight hours watching just Roosh, and that's R-U-S-H, Roosh, watch him work. Uh, like I said, him and Andrade, I don't want a big faction out of it, so they're eventually going to add a third because there's three in almost every faction or group they've got everywhere. I'm not sure you add who who can add anything more to what Andrade and Roosh do, but the fact that they have put the Los Ignorables back together, uh, just insane, just insane, and by far my favorite team. Uh, the only thing you need to know about the, the other match was the acclaimed and the Gun Club. If they have split, looks like they are going to now the acclaimed are back fully healthy. Billy Gunn decided to uh, jump ship from the acclaimed and go back with the Gun Club. His sons, Colton and Austin, I believe. Uh, the acclaimed though, they're gonna get real popular because they're really good in the ring and people like those guys. And then we had a 20-man battle royal to be the number one contender who is going to face John Moxley. It uh, would have been a couple of days ago for the uh, interim world title until CM Punk gets back where they can marry those two titles together. It was a 20-man, two-ring battle royal. And, or no. That was from last week. Let's see. AEW. There it is. Where did he have that? Brody King won that. That was ridiculous and fantastic. Brody King, it's it's amazing the actual talent they have that probably doesn't get a chance to get showcased. Um, Miro continued to build himself into being one of the biggest things on the planet. They put Nyla Rose and Marina Shafir together as a team. They took on Thunderstorm, which is Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm, who won the match. Um, a lot of sloppiness in this one. Uh, I was kind of glad when it was over because you got four people who are really good at working, and it was hard to convince me of that part of the way through the match. But uh, Thunder Thunderstorm wins. Here's the part I wanted to get to. See, I knew it was Brody King. Brody King took on John Moxley for the interim, interim um, world title. These two beat the crap out of each other. Eventually, a bunch of false finishes later, it came down to Moxley with the bulldog choke on Brody King, and uh, he was out. The referee called for it. He never tapped. The referee called for it. Um, just, just an insane, insane match that uh, is uh, just incredible. AEW Rampage. Eddie Kingston took on uh, was it Konsuke? Uh Takshida. Kingston ends up with the win in this one. It that that Eddie Kingston is uh, just every week just better and better and he's growing into this just unlikely hero but everybody loves him. Uh, and then we got the Gates of Agony which are 
I believe it's the two guys who used to be with... Gosh, I just forgot his name. Shane Taylor. Used to be part of Shane Taylor Promotions in Ring of Honor. The Gates of Agony with Tony Blanchard took on Lee Moriarty and Jonathan Gresham. This was a decent match until we figured out the real reason that it was happening, and that's because Jonathan Gresham, who is the Ring of Honor World Champ, has joined up with Tully Blanchard and the Gates of Agony to make their own trio. I like that trio a lot. I feel bad for Lee Moriarty. I believe later tonight, this is Friday night, later tonight Jonathan Gresham and Lee Moriarty are going to have a match. It will be a great thing to put on Lee Moriarty's resume. That's about the best thing he'll have out of this because Jonathan Gresham is going to tie him up like a pretzel. But uh, Gates and Agony end up winning that one, especially when Jonathan Gresham turned on Lee Moriarty. They have put Serena Deeb and Mercedes Martinez together, even though they don't get along. They beat, this will be the highlight for these two girls as well. Um, they beat Kayla Sparks and Christina Marie. Yep, the highlight of them was I just read their name on a podcast because Deeb and Mercedes ran through them like a Marta train through a tunnel. And then in the main event, we get Tony Nese versus Orange Cassidy. Great match. Tony Nese, completely un underrated in him being able to work a match with anybody. He made Orange Cassidy look like a million bucks, which is crazy because Orange already looks like a million bucks. And uh, he helped Nice look very good as well. Orange ends up with the victory in that one. What can we get into now? Let's see, we've got that, we've got that. Let's get into, what time are we looking? Just over an hour, cool. Hope you guys are still around <laughs> in this one. Um, let's go to New Japan. New Japan had some fantastic matches this week, as they always do. But this week, they had Jeff Cobb and Great Okan from Will Ospreay's faction, who took on Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens for the IWGP Tag Team Championship. They are from the Bullet Club. And uh, Fale is one of my... Uh, little nephew Archer's favorites. He loves Fale. Big guy, former rugby player. If you see this guy, I'm glad he doesn't play rugby. He'd probably kill somebody now. Guy's got to be 280, 300 pounds. Easy. Uh, Chase Owens, very underrated worker. I love the team of them. But uh, your new IWGP Tag Team Champions, Jeff Cobb and Great O'Con. Which means that Osprey faction is just award after award. Speaking of which, Will Ospreay took on Sonata for the IWGP US title, which Juice Robinson actually has in his possession because, yeah, that makes sense. Will Ospreay beats Sonata. So I'm a big Sonata fan. Big Ospreay fan, too. I'm, I'm just, uh, Sonata's one of my favorites. It was great to see him in a big match. He had gotten, I think, he had gotten injured before he could defend it before, which is why this match happened because Ospreay was going to jump in to take his place and Osprey got COVID in that week so it, it threw them both off and so we need to see them face and these two put on a heck of a show Osprey wins so he is the IWGP US and IWGP British champion but he only has one of those belts so this is going to set up Juice Robinson versus Osprey I think Juice got hurt or sick or something so he's I think he's in Florida right now so it'll be a minute before we get to see those face off. But uh, if you're not watching New Japan every week, what are you doing? It's it's just it, it's it's what your new obsession should be. Because it is just fantastic action, and and uh, you're gonna love every wrestler over there. Let's finish up with Impact Wrestling. It was good to see uh, Alan Angels, who former. Dark Order member who uh, did not have his contract renewed or decided to leave on his own. He is uh, from Atlanta, so since the Impact Wrestling tapings were in Atlanta, he got to face Mike Bailey for the 
X Division Championship. Really, really good match. Allen had some some really good moments, and uh, in the end, uh, Mike Bailey wins, and then Diener and Doring decide to attack them, and they call out Josh Alexander. And instead, Eric Young comes out, and it looks like they have a weird family, family, weird family bonding moment, and. Uh, that was kind of the end of that. In a match not many people are going to talk about, Black Toru took on PCO. This was really good. A lot of people know PCO's good, and he's kind of a kamikaze, that he will just uh, take risks and just do things that most people won't. Black Toru was right there with him. He did some great things as well, and uh, he has been a great addition to the roster. That would have been Sammy Guevara's spot had he not said no back uh, what, six, eight months ago. Uh, Diana Perrazzo took on Mia Yim for the right to be the number one contender, I believe, for uh, just forgot Jordan Grace to be the to Jordan Grace's women's title. Uh, you can't you can't say anything bad about Perrazzo that I'll believe. Perrazzo is one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Uh, her work is just second to none. It's unbelievable. Mia Yim does some amazing things as well. Mia gets the win in this, so Mia versus Jordan is what we're going to get. I think I would rather see Jordan versus Perrazzo, but we'll get that sooner or later down the road. So I had no problems there, but uh, good for Mia Yim. She's going to take on Jordan Grace. I don't think she's going to beat her. Just my opinion. Tons coming up next week. Uh, we're going to try to get this show back towards the beginning of weeks. But, uh, hey, until then, we're just going to get them out when we can. That sports show will be out sometime tomorrow, probably evening. And we will follow that with uh, Board Check. I told you guys I still have a few of those left. We're going to talk about some free agency in the world of the NHL and some uh, Atlanta Gladiators news, among other things. That will be out hopefully Sunday. But until then, I'm Jeremy the Impact York. This has been Strong Style. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We love it. Glad you guys love it. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses. Go watch wrestling. Go watch fighting. Remember, UFC 11 a.m. on ESPN Saturday morning, 2 p.m. on ABC. See you then.